Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a secret that the Momtourage ladies have struggled with their mental health, and we're not alone. Maternal mental health is a major issue in the United States. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. Our kids deserve happy parents, and we deserve to be happy. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Or maybe the pressures of having a child and this pandemic have made you realize that things are not okay and now is a good time to start talking about it. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. Digital health is bigger than ever now during this pandemic. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And we have a special offer for Momtourage listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash momtourage. That's betterhelp.com slash momtourage. And thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Another great episode. Our charm and uplifted spirit is masking our deep anger. Yeah, we're coming in hot today. We have a great show for you. We really do. Even though the world is crazy. And you know what? What a better show than when the world is crazy to talk to the most gentle, kindest, kindest man, loving therapist, such great advice, Dr. Dan from the Parent Footprint Podcast. Such a good podcast. Guys, you guys got to listen. We are talking to him. It's just going to be him because he's amazing. He is a wealth of knowledge. He answers every question we have for him with such kindness and so intelligently and insightful. I mean, obviously, this is what this guy does for a living, but... But he's like an actual expert where we are not. So we're going to give him the whole show, basically. Yep. And he's got a lot of insight for you. We want to be his friend. We do. We just really love him. But as always, we have your hashtag swag bag. But up next... Take it away, child. Kick and shit. We're going to do a combined tits and shits, guys, because we're a united front on this one. And we just want to get to Dr. Dan, honestly, because I'm going to, I'm like cradling myself, rocking, uh, trying to soothe myself. So I just need to hear Dr. Dan. And also, we want to keep it short because it's, we had a really long, good conversation with Dr. Dan. And we want to make sure that we don't edit anything out because it pertains to all of us. So anyway, let's start with our tits. Okay. Our tits tits are, are, we are number 11 on Podcast Magazine's Top Moms in Podcasting. Not only, are we number 11, but we are on the same list as my idol, my mentor in my head, Miss Bethany Frankel. Bethany, do the right thing. Reach out. You're number one. We're number 11. One, one. That's us. It's a magical number. It's the angel number. Let's do it. Never in my life did I think I would be on the same list as Bethany Frankel. And here we are. It's a dream come true. And we got really a really is. nice photo spread. We did get a really nice photo spread. We're like included on that first thing after Bethany. Bethany, our personal photos. Basically, Bethany and us and our children are kissing. Maybe she'll know who we are. Maybe we'll be on Bethany's radar. I just want to say, if you listen to this because you were like looking through the list and you were like, hey, just know you are my queen. And I respect everything that you have done. And we would really love to work with you. And you know what? I'm going to post and tag Bethany because Bethany knows me from Yoga Works a little bit. I was That's Bethany's right. yoga teacher. I have met her once and she was very nice to me. So She was very nice to me too. And this was pre-me being a fan, you know? Do the right thing, Bethany. Reach out. So that's exciting. Thank you for your votes, everyone who voted. We were nominated because people voted. But yes, we like winning. And we really, honestly, like that, we wouldn't have gotten to number 11 without you guys voting. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And speaking of voting, now on to our shits. Well, 
our shits are. Human rights are being taken away, folks. You know, a document was leaked by a Supreme Court justice who wants to overturn Roe versus Wade. It's looking like they have the numbers in the Supreme Court to do that. It is not official yet, but it looks like it is likely going to happen. Guys, pro-choice does not mean pro-abortion. Let's put that out there. It does not mean pro-abortion. However, there are a lot of great areas and an area that is not so gray is that women need equal rights as men. Get your hands and your votes off my uterus. I don't vote whether men should have vasectomies, so don't do the same for us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, poor woman, is screaming from the goddamn grave. By the time this airs, it's going to be after Mother's Day, but this movement started on TikTok called Mother's Day Strike. It's mothersdaystrike.com in case you want to check it out, even though I'm sure they're going to keep doing the good work after Mother's Day. But essentially, what it comes down to is on Mother's Day, we are not going to support any businesses financially. We are not going to do work. We are not going to do unpaid labor such as mothering. Just leave your kids on the street. No, let your let, let someone else yeah. deal with it. The only way this works is if we all do it. This kind of came close to home because I posted about it on my own Instagram page. Just my own Instagram page. Just that this was happening and let's work together. And a man that doesn't follow me felt the need to come to my page and start arguing with me and harassing me. And ironically, he makes his living off of wedding and maternity photography. So he He's harassing his very demographic. You know, I bring this up because for me, I'm always scared to retaliate because of this. You don't know what a man's going to do. It could be dangerous. Stop me in so many ways, but I'm just fucking tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired of being told what I can or cannot do when all I'm trying to do is live my fucking life. I'm just living my life, dude. I mean, honestly, there's a rally in Montclair today and I have always been nervous to taking my kid to rallies. Me too. On top of everything else, mass shootings are something we have to constantly worry about because it happens all the time. Primarily by men, but we can't get gun control, but we go ahead and control my uterus. Right. Not to mention, we have one of the highest maternal mortality rates for a G8 country. We don't protect the rights of people who are forced to have children. Right. This is the shit that annoys people is when we get on our fucking Apple boxes and I just don't care. Yeah. I'm done caring because this is our show and we yeah. have a right to voice our opinions. And and the reason why we started the show was to give mothers a voice. And I think it's important to note that we are mothers. We are people that have not chosen abortion. I was going to say, Ashley, in fact, is a product of a teen, you know this, a teen pregnancy. Where my mother was encouraged to have an abortion. So we're not pro-abortion, but we are pro-freedom and choice. And supporting women. And equal rights. If you're going to make women make a choice that could potentially destroy their whole life and then not give them any support, like pick a lane. Just pick a fucking lane and I'll, I'll be happier. So anyway, that's happening and that's our shits. And it gives me the shits because it's anxiety producing. Donate to Planned Parenthood. Look for resources. Mothersdaystrike.com also has other resources you can donate to. There is stuff we can do, but the number one thing we can do is vote. Vote in every single election from the tiniest election in your district to the presidential election. Just vote. They're always saying women talk too much and are too loud. Well, watch us, bitches. Wow. Sorry, I don't know if that was even appropriate. I don't know. I don't care. It's, you know, we're feeling a lot of things. Yes. Let's just introduce Dr. Dan because I need a therapy session. Me too. And he made me feel so good. I agree. And it wasn't even my therapy session. I know. Dr. Dan, we stand. Okay, next up, guys, the man, the myth, the legend, the sweetheart, Dr. Dan. Okay, guys, with over 20 years experience as a psychologist, author, and father, host Dr. Dan Peters understands the key to raising happy and aware kids is for parents to seek the same joy and mindfulness in their own lives. Through diverse and timely discussions aimed at any parental figure in a child's life, Dr. Dan helps caregiver parents with purpose while striving to be the best version of themselves on his podcast, The Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the Taco Bell love. 
Silver. Dr. Dan himself. Wow. We need to get a real sound effect button that does that. We love a fake air horn. It's very like Jersey Shore circa 2004, yeah. you know? like nice. Which is our vibe. It is. It is your vibe. We're jumping right in because we just talked to Dr. Dan on his podcast, The Parent Footprint, and it was amazing. And we had a great time. We know each other now. Totally. We've already talked about yes. Taco Bell and poop, yeah. so we are besties. He's official member of the Momtourage. Yeah. So, Dr. Dan, first of all, I am so thankful to My Favorite Murder for letting me know your podcast and you exist because I've been longtime listeners of them and your podcast is really so amazing and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Are you even into true crime at all? I mean, I guess you have to sort of be now. Well, yeah, I got into yeah. it. I mean, I always got into it early on through Georgia. Right. And so that that was my entry. So I've got, you know, you have to listen to Georgia and Karen. So Also psychologists, murder. It seems like a match made in heaven. It's a fascinating, you know, from some of your roles on some of these shows, like, right, like yes. forensics and murder. It's like there is a a draw we humans have. We just went overseas for our youngest to meet her close friend who lives in the UK and moved back to the UK. And one of the things that we did in London was we went to the Jack the Ripper Museum. Oh, I'm dying to do that. It's this small, little, great exhibit, but it's like it just speaks to like what my wife and I are like, oh, gosh, do we really want to do that? It's freaky. And my daughter and her friend are like, oh, please. Like, this is <laughs> so fascinating, right? So so there's this pull to this dark side. My sister and I talk about this all the time. Both of us are obsessed with true crime. And for me, it helps my anxiety. It's like preparing for the worst so that I know what will happen. It really weirdly calms my anxiety instead of doing the opposite. That is not the effect it has on me. So what do you think that is? What do you think that is? That it's actually like thinking about the most horrific things actually give you a sense of inner peace. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like a disaster prep or something. Yeah, nice. So Dr. Dan, what is it about being a child psychologist that like drew you to your profession? What made you want to start a podcast? Kind of give us the Mm -hmm. rundown of, of how Parent Footprint came to be. So I was always drawn to people. I always seem to understand people, like without understanding that I understood people. I was, you know, the guy who is, I was the problem solver, you know, relationships and friendships were really important to me. And as I got older and older, I found myself more and more in this non-professional role. And there are many of us who go into the field have to learn boundaries around that because you just seem to have this like draw that people come and talk to you and you feel the need to help them. And so that was sort of my orientation. And then I worked a lot at summer camps, really loved working with kids. Tennis was my main sport growing up and I was really into it. And I ended up coaching and doing overnight summer camps and that. And so I just really was drawn to kids. And I also think being young in the field, I went straight from college to graduate school. You're just really young. And it was just a natural response to be much older than the kids. But a lot of the adults that I was working with were much older than me, Mm. just being a newbie. And so I found myself really interested in children, adolescents, and families, and still am. And so I did that work for a long time, Uh, do counseling, still do counseling. And then over time, I met an individual and we started talking about the notion of parent footprint. He had this idea of parent footprint. And we created this parent footprint awareness training, which was this online training, trying to automize the sort of the counseling experience. But two things happen. One is my wife and my son forever were saying, you need a podcast, you need a podcast, you need a podcast, like years before this happened. And we even got the little, you know, old school microphones and my son was going to be the engineer when he was like 10. Oh my God, that's adorable. I love that. Yeah, that is. It was sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And then with Parent Footprint, the ideas came about like, hey, we got to get stuff out there for no cost to as many people. And I can tell you personally, you know, being a licensed psychologist where there is an entry fee, my struggle has always been to get mental health out there to anyone who wants to listen to it in some capacity. Mm. So all of that culminated in the podcast. And it's like, it's been five years, which is hard to believe. You're a pioneer. Five years. That's like way back. Yeah. Yeah. We were just doing it every other week. And then when we were fortunate enough to join Exactly Right Media, then we upped it Mm. to, so we're about a year of doing weekly shows. So that's how it came to be. Well, congratulations, because 
seems like it's a huge success. And honestly, thank you for the work that you do because I think we all need it. Parents need some kind of, you know, my mom used to say this and I've adopted this. I think people should have to have licenses to be parents because it's like you're given a guidebook on how to use a blender, but you're not given a guidebook on how to raise a child. You can go out and buy certain ones, but you're doing this in a way that makes it so accessible to everybody who wants to do their best. It's hard. Yes. Right. And and we want to do it right. And there's often not a right. Yes. I was going to say, the thing about podcasting, I think that's really great, is there's literally a podcast for everything (laughs) where maybe your limitations of, you know, how many books can you read in a month or whatever. But with podcasts, you can get so much good information in a short period of time in a way that is more accessible in your daily life. It really is kind of amazing. It really is. Yeah. And from experts that you would never, like, am I going to be able to afford to go see Brene Brown in Texas? No, but I can listen to her podcast. Totally. It's true. Okay, so we were on your podcast. You have three kids. Yep. What's the breakdown? Ages, genders. Yes. What's your situation? Our oldest is 22 today, <gasps> our daughter. Wow, happy birthday. Happy birthday to her. Our son is 20. And then our youngest daughter recently just turned 18. Wow, so you're kind of like done in a way. As done as you can be as a parent. In a way. In right. a way, yes. Our, our son said to me, we, I was talking to him the other day, and he said, you know, Dad, it's kind of like with our last sister going off to college. It's like you and mom just finished a really long video game mission. <laughs> I said, wow, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. Like a 22-year mission that we're going to have three kids all in different states than we live in and being alone. Like we haven't been, we spent a lot of time alone before the kids, but like we haven't done that. It's such a trip to think about how long and short that time is. Yeah. And it's like old school Mike Tyson's punch out. There's not a pause button. That's exhausting. You gotta go to the the bathroom real quick when he's doing the little training in between. That's when you gotta (laughs) use the bathroom. It's hard. Totally. I'm gonna combine these two questions. So you have three kids. Like Asha said, you're at the tail end of of the parenting part. Although my mom would disagree. She's in the other room and I am 44 years old and she is still parenting me. So I would disagree with the fact that you're done at the end of your journey. It doesn't end. I mean, listen, I agree also with what you're saying. I'm just saying like the daily ins and outs parenting. There's no more like driving to soccer practice. It's like you don't even have to see your kids on a daily basis, which I'm sure is bittersweet. Mm -hmm. My son already told me the other day when he gets married, they're moving in with us. And I was like, great, (laughs) wonderful. Hope she likes being in a king size bed with your parents. Luna doesn't mind. And we've already betrothed her. That's my daughter. (laughs) Now that you have this interesting, different than what Ashley and I have viewpoint looking back. And you're also a psychologist, so you have a whole other viewpoint. A qualified one, if you will. Yes. What was one of the hardest parent moments you've had in your experience? So several combine with the theme that I'll tell you about. And then I do have one, which is an uh, an example of several of Mm -hmm. them. Our kids did not sleep. They were not sleepers. We had every book. We had everything. That's my kid. Yeah. And none of it worked. Uh, Probably they, the books probably made them, it made Mm -hmm. it worse trying to follow the rules. And so I would say that we were sleep deprived for at least eight or nine years. It wasn't until like, you know, it was like everyone would wake up throughout the night with can't fall asleep, sleeping fears, all that stuff. And so it breaks you. It breaks you. So the moment I remember in my son's room, he's in his crib, and I was patting him back to sleep at what hour of the night after being up with the others and knowing I had to get up super early. I was commuting at the time in traffic, long clinical days, had also an administrative position, like a very stressful part of life. And we would have to pat our kids back to sleep, right? People do that. And so I remember he liked, uh, so this, we were listening to a lot of Toby Keith back then, and I Love This Bar was a big hit. So we would sing I Love This Bar, and I would say, so I was singing I Love This Bar to him, and then he would say more hmm more hmm So for those who know the song, it's I love this bar, you know, wherever you are, it's like a, there's a humming. So I would keep doing it, and he'd go more hmm more hmm and I am crying standing up, leaning on the crib, patting him, doing hmm hmm, and I am crying and I just want to like go to sleep forever. <laughs> like, it's just like those, those moments that you look back on, you're like, 
oh my God, I am not going to make it. Like, I'm literally not going to make it. Yeah. That's parenting for you. <laughs> yeah. To many people in our family's dismay, we started family shots during the pandemic where at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all like, what the hell is happening? This is, you know, before it became everyone's norm. Right. We would do family shots and my son would do orange juice and my husband and I would do alcohol at like two in the afternoon. That was one of those moments where it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's not going to kill me. I don't feel like I'm going to die. But also, what the hell is happening in my life? I'm parenting yes. through this. Yes. Am I screwing up my, well, how old was two he when three, it started? Yeah. Two or three year old son. Yeah. With teaching him to take shots of orange juice at this age. And it also was like, I don't care. I'm just surviving. Let's just get through this. Like, whatever gets us through at this point. You know what? I just fa- I just had a flash, though, of you, like, him. He's with his friends in college, and they're all stressed out. And he's like, don't worry, guys. Here's what we need to do. My mom taught me. We take an orange juice shot. And it's just healthy. Better orange juice <laughs> than alcohol. Yeah. Vitamin C. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a vitamin C shot. It's a vitamin C shot. Hopefully, that's what he's going to walk away from with it, as opposed to an alcohol dependency, which, you know. <laughs> he also says the word tequila. So there's that, too. That's cute. Yeah. That's cute. He also sees signs for red wine and goes, Mama, look red wine for you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump right into the questions. I'm going to start and I'm going to start with a personal one, if that's okay. Of course. So my son is four and a half. He'll be five in July. He's, you know, a bit of a pandemic kid and he's been having behavioral issues for the past month, I'd say, where I'm getting calls from his teacher. He's a very sweet little boy, but he also has quite a temper on him. And we will get calls from his teacher saying, Sebastian's just talking back to every teacher. Like everything we say to him, it's combative. And, you know, I said to his teacher myself, same. I have no idea how to fix this situation. Do you have anything you suggest? You know, I don't know why this is happening like this. And it seems like with all kids, they go through a phase where they're on, you know, acting messed up for a few weeks and then act nice and then act messed up again. And this was one of the particular instances where I called my own mother crying and saying, Mm -hmm. like, what am I doing to mess this child up? And she said, you know, what always worked with you was a reward system. Mm. So before this one started, he was starting to, they've removed mask mandates in New Jersey. So I think my son was starting to see kids in school without a mask and he came home two times without a mask. I did the reward system for that. He now gets an ice cream every day after school at the bodega if I see that he has been wearing his mask. Now with this other thing, he now gets a dollar Every day, which I (laughs) now realize was way too much money. Every day when I when he comes out of school, I ask his teacher, Hey, Mr. B, you know, was Sebastian a good boy today? No talking back. If he says yes, Sebastian gets a dollar. A, what causes this talking back Mm -hmm. situation with children? And B, is this lucrative of a reward system a bad lesson? Okay, yeah. So temperament matters. I also I want to start by saying it makes me think of Dr. Terry Brazelton, who is a famous pediatrician and who has lots of books out. He's no longer with us. And he talked about the concept of touch points. And it basically was from infancy on with your child's development, there's a touch point what he called touch point was basically like tantruming, not sleeping, crankiness, right? It's like that transition to a new developmental milestone. And so you have the sweet guy and now he's five and he's coming into his his own and he's finding his voice. And it's like a little bit of like, you're not not the boss of me. No, I don't need to do that. Like, why don't you do that? Or whatever version it is. So part of this is, I think we need to, knowing what his normal temperament is, just knowing like, okay, he is going through something. And we always, as parents, I think we always have to try to turn down our worry meter. And I'll tell you like, you know, my my worry meter goes really high. So as well. So it's like, we got to try to be like, okay, this is a transition and we need to help our child through the transition, which one way to help a child through a transition is to accept them for who they are in the moment, while also at the same time trying to influence a certain sort of behavior or a more appropriate behavior. That intersection is the hard part right there. It's really hard to do that. So now behavior plans, I would say, so I have a few thoughts about behavior plans. Behavior plans have been around forever. It's based on behaviorism and positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement and punishment. And you know what? It That actually works for, we say like 80% of the kids, but there's a lot of really intense, spirited, sensitive kids that that approach doesn't work as well for. That was going to be my question. My kid does not, she thinks 
says discipline is funny. She doesn't care if you take away a toy. Yeah. She says, throw out that toy. I don't yeah. need it. Yeah. She's a whole other game. Oh, man. Time out. She puts herself in a time out and says, this is super cozy. Yeah. So maybe you can answer this with this question. Yeah, I'll ask her both because I love that kid too because that kid is more like, bring it on. Actually, let me just punish myself. <laughs> what can you do to right. me that's going to, you know, like, yeah. That's one of those other kids. Okay, so good. We have a couple different models here. Again, not to put anyone in a box. So what I would say is, the thing about behavior plans is think about uh, potty training. So people get concerned about, well, if I give my child a star or a sticker or a quarter every time they pee, well, after I stop doing it, they won't want to pee on the potty anymore. And it's like, actually, it doesn't really work that way. Because what happens is most of the time, the idea of a behavior plan is that you take something, you intrinsic, extrinsically or externally reinforce a behavior that a person does not yet have intrinsic or internal motivation for. Why would I want to pee on the potty when I can just go in right where I am while right. I'm coloring? I mean, I think about that still to this day, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a total crap. So basically, we're trying to influence the behavior to give them a reason like, oh, this shiny thing is cool. So I'll do it because I want this. And over time, the goal is you take away that shiny thing because it becomes an internalized behavior. So I would say in this situation, I think it's fine to motivate positive behavior. Two things that comments though. One is, I also think it's always, and I know you're doing this, is to talk about the value behind the behavior. Because really what we want to instill in our kids is value-based living as opposed to rule-based living. Yes. So as your kids get older, what really works with kids is family values more than rules. And rules should be saved for where you really need them for safety and some big ticket items. And and actually, a lot of times the research shows that the happiest families have the least amount of rules, but they're very strong on values. The other thing to, to think about in this case is uh, money. That's always like, it's controversial. People are like, should you really use money? Should you use something that represents money? And all I'll say is I'll put it that way. It's like, it's just something to be aware of. Okay. Is like, Oh, I'm not doing that unless you give me another dollar. And so that's why sometimes ice cream or a ticket. But you know what? If it's working right now, I wouldn't mess with it. Yeah, he gets an ice cream and a dollar on a good day. So, you know, like I didn't know where else to go. With it. Ashley, can <laughs> yeah. you be my mommy? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So you're just going to be aware of like, is it working? And if it's working, it's great. And then you slowly are trying to figure out a way to titrate, right? To like bring it down to be talking about how this is, you know, God, isn't it great how everyone really appreciates your behavior and everyone's really liking how you're, you were trying to make it more, you know, Jedi mind trick, an internal motivated thing as opposed to an external thing. Yeah. And one of the ways I do that is I'll tell him, you know, like when he's being a good boy, I'll say, God, I love when you're such a good boy. I love being around you. You make everyone feel so good. And it's just, you're fun. You're more fun. I don't know if that's horribly messed up to say. You know, I constantly talk to him when he does something bad about why he shouldn't do that. And, you know, like kindness. Hey, people don't want to be around people that aren't nice to them. Do you want to be around somebody right. who's not yeah. nice to you? So, I, you know, I don't know if these explanations yeah. are good or not, but. No, no, no. I think that's, that's like, I call that like, we, te we our job is to teach our kids okay. how the world works. And I remember with our oldest, who was really anxious when she was young, and people would say hi to her. And she would just either stare in a daze or walk right past them. And it was because of she was socially anxious at the time. Girl, same. Yeah, and I remember explaining to her, I said, sweetheart, do you, th do you realize that those people think you don't like them? She's like, why would they think that? And I was like, well, because they're saying hi and you're ignoring them. They don't know you're nervous. They just think you don't like them. She's like, well, I like them. It was a, a bridge into, yeah. okay, well, why don't you just say a quick hello so they know it? Mm. And you're right. So it's trying to try to connect those dots. Okay. Okay, Luna. Right? Yeah. Okay. Powerful. She I, she, she sounds, I, I just have a sense she's a bit like her mama. <laughs> worse, worse. I didn't become this way until I was an adult. She's starting young. Yeah, uh, they do that these days. Okay, so mm -hmm. I would say this is, I'm smiling right now because it's like, I'm just so intrigued by these, these little human spirits because they basically just call us out right away until you're just like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? So quick story to empathize. So when our oldest, she was very intense as well. And we were screaming at her because she was always screaming at one of her siblings. And I remember she stopped us in our tracks and she looks at, she's like, why are you screaming at me to stop screaming at him? And we're just like, 
Okay, you got us on that one. Good point, child. Yeah. (laughs) Now we've got nothing left. You've completely disarmed us and we have got nothing left. So with Luna, I would say... She's a horse I can't break. I don't understand. (laughs) Right. You can't and you don't want to because the spirit is strong. And I think that's where parenting has fortunately in many places gone to. An old way of parenting used to be basically like you break the person down until they comply, right? Total old school, several methods, many of which are not recommended. And that just breaks a person and and teaches compliance, but doesn't teach any of the good stuff that we want them to have in life. And so you basically have this fiery, spirited human, and your job is actually to guide and to set up some boundaries, and she's helping. Like, part of the reason is she's helping. And, like, if her disposition is sort of like, don't worry about it, just take it, I'm cool. She's basically, like, that's coping. That's basically this resiliency in her, which is, you know what? Take what you want. I'm good. I'll adapt. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to parent. But it's, it's like, you don't have to be the boss. You just have to continue to set the boundary. And if she takes herself out of the game, it's like, no, no, don't worry. I'll give myself a timeout. I'm not giving you the satisfaction of controlling my life. She's basically just, owning her life, but she's still hearing the boundaries. Yeah. I just get worried about certain stuff because, you know, she'll push the limit. I'll be like, you Mm -hmm. can't step off the sidewalk. And then she'll look at me and be like, (laughs) and I'm like, I told you. And she's like, okay. And the thing is, I prayed for that kid. Like there's this hippie theory that at a certain time, the spirit picks the uterus that it wants to go into. And I literally sat in meditation all day. And the one thing I said, and I've talked about this before, Ashley can attest to it. I was like, dear spirit, Please do not give me a basic bitch. Please give me that she has to be funny and please have her be just spirited and not a basic bitch. Well, well you learned your lesson. It worked. Yes, it worked. Okay, so so here's what I'll say to that about your example. So bright intense and spirited people of all ages don't like to be told what to do. They also don't get hierarchy. Like, just because you happen to be my mom, you get to tell me what to do, when to sleep, when to eat. Like, Oh, God, this is me. I'm just like listening to about myself. <laughs> yes, so good. I'm glad this is resonating. So here's the deal. She doesn't like to be told what to do. And so when you tell a child what to do in old school way, which is don't do that because I said so, or it's not okay. That basically means, oh yeah, well, bring it on. Like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I get a little Irish Catholic on there. And I'm like, because I'm the mother. Right, so I would say is something like, hey, we need to be careful that we don't step off the curb because the cars come really fast and can hurt us. So always you're trying to go by explanation. She's still going to push. But again, I'm taking it from a rule to a value. And then, so ultimately it's like, it's not that you're saying you can't. It's like, hey, we shouldn't because we could get really hurt. Yeah. She does react better when we act like we're friends and like it's a team thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and a lot of people say like, well, you have to. So our parents generation will gets a lot of feed. We get feedback, which is like, well, like who's in charge here? And you're just like doting and you're just enabling. And you know what? There, I mean, there are times when that can happen, but treating our children with respect and not living with the the golden rule of we are in charge and you know we tell you what to do and can ruin your life if you don't listen to us like that is mm-hmm. not doting on our kids or enabling our kids it's actually treating them with respect as human beings and mm-hmm. then allowing them to step into their own life as much as possible but setting a limit when we need to for safety or other ethical reasons. So this is a hot button question, especially because today's 420 that we're recording this. (laughs) This is a listener question. Yes. Pot is legal in lots of places now. Our state included of New Jersey. Yep. Tomorrow they go public with allowing dispensaries, certain dispensaries to, you know, like California has been doing for a long time. Anyway, what is the protocol for our kids and us partaking? I mean, I have my medical license for anxiety. Right. What are the boundaries? How do we handle it? This was a listener question. I think it's a valid one in this day and age. It's a great question. And we've been grappling with it in California for quite, you know, a longer period of time. So, okay, big picture, the research shows the longer we can protect our kids' brains from alcohol, marijuana, any kind of drugs, the better. That's just the big picture. The longer we can protect their brains, the better. And the research is very clear. The younger people start using habitually, the more likelihood of a dependence 
or an addiction. And of course, there's so many factors like family loading, as you guys know, like there's a lot of variables, but I'm just trying to simplify. So if we look at marijuana that way, it's like, okay, how do we, whether it's marijuana or alcohol, and knowing that kids in middle school and high school start to experiment, like what's our message? And the message is supposed to be, I mean, this again, this is from the experts is like, you know what, your brain is growing and developing. And the longer you keep those substances from your brain, the healthier your brain will develop. And as you become an adult, you will get to make your own decisions about what you use and how you use and how it impacts you. And of course, these are age appropriate conversations. And then of course, to educate our kids about family heritability of addiction in the family so they can go in eyes wide open. So then the next layer down is, well, it is legal. But what what a lot of people forget is just because it's legal, it's still age 21. Right. So what what a lot of the teenagers say is like, hey, it's legal. We're like, yeah, but it's not like you can be 16 and just drink a six pack every day like that. Like it's still illegal. So so we have to remember and talk to our teenagers that like they're still an age. It's a newer thing. People have families have different values about alcohol. They definitely have different families have different values about marijuana. And at times they seem completely paradoxical, right? Like, uh, yes, very much so. High drinking family who's completely against marijuana. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is it's part of the conversation that you have as your kids are growing up and you're really trying to navigate it with them because when you're, as you will see, when your kids become of the age where this is a real thing, it is really challenging to hold the line, not be a hypocrite, try to understand the regular experimenting that like you don't want them to do, but you do want them to do before they're off on their own living somewhere with no experience of what substances do to them. So it's like, it's a really delicate path. Was that as clear as yeah. clear as mud? Yeah. yeah. I think that there's a, a secondary question that the listener was asking, which was, what about young kids smelling pot smoke? You're not smoking it in front of them, but they're like smelling it in the house. Kids that are old enough to know. Yeah, or they're seeing the mom take like a, a gummy or whatever. Yeah, I, that's a newer thing because do we ask the same question about pouring a glass of wine? Well, some people I think do. Yeah. Right. Um, I just think you got to be really aware of what you're modeling. And again, yeah. without without any judgment, it's, this is about awareness. Like, what are you modeling and how are you going to explain it to your child? So, you know, people smoke cigarettes around their kids and some people hide smoking cigarettes around yeah. their kids. So I, I think it's really about the message you want to give your kids. If you are someone who's very marijuana friendly and it's a part of your lifestyle and you're not concerned about it being part of your child's lifestyle, I think you'll be much less more lax about using and having them smell it versus it's just again about being aware you know it's kind of like back to the orange juice shot yeah everything we do somehow impacts our kids it makes a parent footprint and our kids have amazing memories like it blows you away when they'll later say do you remember when you're like oh my gosh how do you remember that I've talked about this on the show because I go to therapy and cry about my parents loving me too much and like you know it's hard for me to be my own person on my own two feet and make my own decisions that my parents don't approve of at 30 six years old and it's like that is not a thing most people I'm lucky that that's my issue but it's still my issue you know (laughs) yeah and there but there's that's another good example of everything we do has some impact on our kids exactly even the idea of being super close with our kids and being really good friends it has different implications as you get to talk about in your counseling as from a parent that was more aloof and had uh, really um, fostered independence intentionally or unintentionally so it's like every Everything we do matters. We are trying our best not to completely like do anything that's harmful and like screws up our kids, right? Like mistreating, abuse, trauma that we can avoid. Trauma, unfortunately, still happens. Not feeling love. Right. Not feeling love, not feeling controlled, not like going off on our kids so they live in fear. Like those big things we're trying not to do. And there is a whole lot of gray in the middle of us just doing the best we can. Because as a lot of people point out, like our kids are the ones that show us our own issues. It's like you think you know your issues and then you get your kids and they really shine a a light on them. Hello, temper. I know. Luna keeps going, mommy, you are so bossy. And I go, I'm not bossy. I'm the boss. (laughs) Let's just be real. Piggybacking off of that, 
probably the biggest disagreement my husband and I have in our household is about cursing in front of Sebastian. Not cursing at him, just to be very clear, cursing in front of him. I personally do not think that I should have to change the way I speak for the most part. You know, I'm not saying the C word and stuff, but shit, fuck, whatever. This person's an asshole is not the end of the world. For me, the lesson I have to teach him is appropriateness. The appropriate situations in which to use these words. And he's starting to grasp it. And my husband's also starting to come around. But, you know, we'll even be around my husband's family. And I said, fuck one time. Like this last time my father-in-law was here. And he said, don't say that. I said, what? Don't say fuck? And because I just, (laughs) I don't want to be told how to speak. We're going to put you on a behavior plan for your language. I'm going to give you $20 every time. For that, I'll stop cursing. If you give me $20 every time I (laughs) don't curse, great. I guess my question for you is, is there actually a psychological implication of cursing in front of your children as opposed to other than just, you don't want them to go to school and say that word? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's really split. Right. There's some people who say like, you know, that's inappropriate language and you should keep that language away from your kids until they're old enough and they hear it at school, blah, blah, blah. And then there are other families are like, you know what, this is the real world. They don't get a drink in our house until they're of legal age and they're not, you know, we don't want them to cuss, but we get to because we're adults. And other families are like, you know, we don't care if our kids cuss. They're going to learn to school anyways. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. As long as he's not cursing at me or being disrespectful. Right. You know, he named one of our plants hot bitch. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Like, I don't care. You're not saying anything bad. Like, And that plant is a hot bitch. It is a hot bitch. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think you can I think you can go anyway with it and it's again it's about being purposeful and being aware and what you're saying what I'm hearing you say is you're allowed to say it that's the real world you're allowed to talk and he's not allowed to talk like that because he's young and that's not appropriate. Ashley next time go Dr. Dan said I could. <laughs> I'm going to. Even though that's not exactly what you said but we're just going to Hey, eat shit. Dr. Dan said it was okay. Okay, fucker. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Sorry, sorry your virgin ears Dr. Dan. I I apologize. There you go. That's okay. So this is sort of a one-two punch. And that is recently both Ashley and my kid, and they're about a year difference in age, roughly. They've started to become really afraid of, of being in the dark, being alone, ghosts and monsters. Again, we have two different age ranges, but close. And I, in talking to other mothers on the playground, it seems like a lot of kids are experiencing this. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part of the question. How do we handle this? And then the second part of the question, which directly is in this vein, is that my daughter has been talking about death a lot because I am a person who's very comfortable talking about death. And I come from a medical family, so Mm -hmm. we kind of talk about that's okay. And we had my grandmother died, who was I was raised with and we hospiced her. My daughter was there kind of around that time mm-hmm. and we've had bird deaths in our suburban house and so she's now also not really afraid but seeing a person being like they're very old are they going to die soon? Yeah. Am I going to die soon? I'm trying to explain it without shying away from a real conversation yeah. and I feel this way about the dark and being alone and ghosts. I mean I'm not going to tell her my ghost story but I'm trying to explain it in a way that isn't dumbing it down. Right. So can you speak to speaking to kids about this and why it seems to be a thing that comes up? I think it's a natural thing to have fears because, I mean, first of all, kids have imaginations. And especially when their imaginations and the older they get, they can perceive possibilities, right? So a noise, which is just a noise, can now be maybe a ghost because they've heard about a ghost. Or they're afraid that someone's in their closet or under their bed, right? It's like, how does this be a universal thing that people are afraid of? Well, it just, it seems to happen with their own thoughts and also things you hear about in school or what they see in entertainment. Because there's a lot of these themes that are, you know, woven into all the different types of shows and then thinking kids start to think about them. So I would say it's a very common and it's just the first of lots of different worries and fears to help your kids through. There, so, And I'll go back to that. So there's that. And then death is also one for a variety of reasons that kids at different ages start to think about. So often bright kids, deep kids, more inquisitive kids who can start to ponder the idea of um, existing and not existing, think about it, and then get scared about it, which would be the natural response to thinking about, wait, wait, you mean like you could die? Mm -hmm. I could die? Like that is a scary proposition. I think the virus has made it even more so in kids' brains too. Yeah. 
Right, yeah. right. You're hearing about a lot of people getting sick, going to the hospital and dying. And then, of course, when you have a personal family situation, which I do applaud, you know, bringing kids into the circle of life as opposed to keeping them out. Oh, that's good to know. It's good. I mean, I think you need to, you know, you just want to be aware of what they're seeing. Right. But keeping them away from it makes it even more scary and more like a mystery. But of course, it's going to cause more fear. It's going to mm-hmm. cause more questions. So I do think it's important to talk about in a very honest and open way while trying to avoid saying anything which you think will. It's like you give them enough that you see if that's satisfying for them. Mm-hmm. And then you see if you need to give them more. Right. The other thing that I'm thinking about is you don't want to lie to your kids. However, like, for example, am I going to die soon? Well, no one knows when anyone's going to die, but right. I do believe in hedging with the odds. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the odds are that a child is not going to die soon. And be like, you know what? People live for a gener- generally live for a very long time and you're very healthy and we're planning on you living a very long and healthy life. Something that's interesting, and this was my mom just just happened, is my mom like asked a little bit more questions, like went a little bit deeper and was like, why are you afraid of being alone? You've never really been like, people don't leave kids alone. Why? And she answered with a really specific circumstance that happened. Mm. I forgot about it, where we locked her in her room for a second to keep her safe from falling down the stairs. And another thing I've just found, because I used to be a nanny, is ask deeper because a lot of times the answer they give you is one interesting and not what you expected and you might be able to hedge yeah. it off by just Great call. talking about this one I was like we'll take the lock off your door we won't do that again that was to keep you yeah. safe that will never happen again it's just interesting because you don't really understand all the little inner workings of their little genius minds right that's a great point great point I know we have time for one last question and I think it's a question that every single parent has on their mind and it is what are the implications of the pandemic for the past two years on our kids? What are some warning signs that we should be looking out for? Is there anything we should be aware of? I know that's kind of a big general question, but I think, you know, our audience is mostly mothers of younger children, but we do have older children, parents of older children as well. So the, the best answer you can kind of give to such a broad question. Yeah. When do we reach out for more help? When is it just normal stuff during these times, you know? Right. What, what's to be Expected, you know, all of that. Right. So I think big picture for all kids and particularly younger kids is delayed development for many, like delayed experiences. Many of these kids, I mean, some of these kids who are, you know, brand new babies didn't see family members, were only held by their primary parents. So there was a lot of things that wouldn't normally happen in the family because of the external circumstances of the pandemic. So part of this is to know that development has been delayed. It doesn't mean like halted, but delayed. And it sometimes takes kids longer to learn the socialization, to learn some of the fine and gross motor just because they weren't having to do all this stuff in school. Mm. For the older kids, there is a tremendous mental health crisis. We just have to say this. There are like... Older meaning what? I'm sorry. Teenagers. So I want to say about teenagers. This is real. This is happening. This crisis happening with one of my best friend's kids. Yeah, she's 13. It's really bad. It's real. Depression and anxiety is at an all-time high for the teen and young adult age group. And there are disproportionate amount of suicides, uh, people who are ending their life by suicide. And it is affecting lots of communities. We had two on the same day last weekend in our neighboring high schools. And it's, I can't tell you how, unfortunately, not all that uncommon this has become around the country. So if your child is changing in their behavior, if your child is disengaging is isolating, is highly emotional, is talking about not wanting to be alive, are doing things differently. Now, of course, there's teenager and people are like, well, is this just adolescence? We want to err these days on the side of a check-in with some mental health professional, school counselor, pediatrician, any other adult that can ask the questions. Because it's so hard to get an appointment. It's really hard. And sometimes with mental health providers are completely impacted, which is why often if you can get in with a, a family practitioner or or your pediatrician, developmental pediatrician, there's often easier way to get in for the short appointment and say, hey, I'm really concerned about my child. Could you talk to them? This is what I'm seeing. That's a pro tip. Thank you. Yeah. 
but it's real. It's real. I would say the the kids in between the elementary school age kids, again, it's just some socializing, some confidence. There's a lot of kids that are experiencing social anxiety because they just were out of it. There are a lot of kids who liked being out of school because of their anxiety or their um, learning differences, and then they're pushed back into it and it's overwhelming. So just know this is like a really hard time and err on the side of seeking a professional consultation. Wow, that is very pivotal and good advice, Dr. D. That, seriously. And one of the more important things that we can give parents out there, honestly. Yeah, I didn't realize that teenagers were suffering so badly from all of this. I, you know, we had had a child psychologist on at the beginning of all of this, and her answer was basically, you know, your children are probably not the ones being that terribly affected. It's mostly children in abusive households, children without internet that can't, you know, do their Zoom school. And, you know, for me, that offered me a little bit of peace, but I thought, okay, so hearing you say that teenagers are disproportionately ending their own lives because of the depression and anxiety is very, very sad. And also it's gone on longer than we thought. So the implications continue to change, you know? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Dr. Dan, you are just a wealth of knowledge. We have so enjoyed talking to you. Could you please, please, please come back? Please. I would love that. Um, people find us at our the podcast where podcasts are um, platformed. Check us out, uh, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. Facebook, Instagram, at Parent Footprint Podcast. Twitter, Dr. Dan, at Dr. Dan Peters. And website, drdanpeters.com. Oh, my books. Oh, okay. I totally, I'm on my podcast uh, head right now. Okay, so a newer <laughs> (laughs) book I wrote with a colleague is uh, Bright Complex Kids, uh, Supporting Their Social and Emotional Development. And I have a Warrior to Warrior series. There's a parent version, a youth version, and a young child workbook. And it's uh, Make Your Warrior a Warrior, From Warrior to Warrior, and the Warrior Workbook. Love it. Wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. Please come back. I just feel like you are such a wealth of knowledge. And I just, I need more, Dr. Dan. Oh, My pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hashtag swag bag. Okay, hashtag swag bag. I'm going to make mine easy. It's Planned Parenthood. That's my hashtag swag bag. Planned Parenthood. Donate if you want to be, I forget what the term is for the people that like escort women who are having abortions in and out. Planned Parenthood. And don't be silent. I started watching fucking Handmaid's Tale today because I was just so pissed. I did that when Trump was elected. Yeah, it was both the right and wrong choice, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ride it through, yeah. ride it out and yeah. see what happens. Uh, yeah. What's your hashtag swag bag? Uh, well, now I feel guilty like it should be. You were like, it's a paint by number kit. I mean, sort of. It's a paint by number pro-choice kit of my uterus. (laughs) Well, going in a totally different direction, I, as much as I like the TV show Bluey, my kid has started to get really sassy after she watches it because it's a very funny show and they say funny things, but some of the things they say are kind of sassy. So aside from when I asked my kid when she was being sassy, where she learned it from, she says the book, which we all know is this weird psychic thing she talks about the book. Oh, I thought it was like the Bible. No, when you when you say things, she goes, the book. And I'm like, what book? It's like creepy. I forgot about the psychic thing. But she sometimes says bluey. So I've been looking for like slow TV because she's already pretty like making up jokes. So like a slow TV might be more uh, like a balancer for her. And so Arlo's mom, Kate, showed me this TV show called Puffin Rock. And it's on Netflix. And it is just joyous. It's relaxing. It's about a group of puffins and their other friends that live by the sea uh, on Puffin Rock. And it is narrated by the Scottish dude from Bridesmaids. Chris O'Dowd. So one, you get an accent. Now, Ashley, I know you don't like British accents, but how do you feel about Scottish accents? No, I like his. I think his is cute. And it's really calming. The graphics are really calming and kind of slow. It talks about ecology and it just chills everybody out. Just chill, man. And I'm into it. So Puffin Rock on Netflix. Maybe that's what I should be binging today by myself instead of, you know, Handmaid's Tale. Anyway, guys, um, we are getting more write-ins and we love it. So keep it coming, please. Write us. uh, If you have questions and advice, we will give you our advice. I am the queen of giving you advice that maybe you didn't want and maybe you wanted in a different way, but I will give you direct advice. Ashley will give you advice. Please write in what you want to hear. Any questions or advice, we love hearing from you. Hello at momtouragepodcast.com. We love you. Love you. Stay strong. Stay strong. And look, 
you have our community if you need it. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.